Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I'll tell you why we are here today instead of Calhoun, Georgia, a bit later. That's where we were scheduled for this weekend of prophetic ministry, teaching the Word of God from a prophetic perspective. Well, that'll be up in just a moment. I'll explain the whole situation, ask you to pray for the church in Calhoun where we were going to be. But right now, we're going to Ken Timmerman. And I'm trying to do this very quickly because we're catching Ken at the airport, getting ready to board an airplane. No matter where you go, Ken, you cannot hide. And so we've got you to talk to us about geopolitical events happening around the world. And let me get right underway. The United States and Israel, according to reports I have, uh, and their top military are on alert for Iran to exploit the D.C. political mayhem that's going on, even that surrounding the inauguration. What can you give us on this? Well, Jimmy, I don't expect there will be any trouble uh, for as long as President Trump remains in command with the United States military. The Iranians understand very well that the president will not allow them to get away with any attack. The Israelis are right, obviously, to be on alert, but they are almost always on alert, wondering what the Iranians are going to do and their allies as well. But I do expect uh, the Iranians to challenge President Biden very early in his administration. And uh, I, I, in fact, I believe he will face a series of national security challenges uh, in the early weeks and months of his administration. Well, talking about that, I understand that Iran is doing everything they possibly can as it relates to being able to restart that Iranian nuclear deal that was put in place under the Obama administration. But uh, are they wanting to restart it, reset it, uh, renew it? I mean, because of the fact that they are developing or they are enriching uranium at about 20% right now. That's not exactly what the Iranian nuclear deal called for. They'd have to take a step back. What are your thoughts about this? Well, that's right. And remember that Joe Biden ran on a platform of immediately resuming the Iran deal, as if he could just walk back into it without any implication. Uh, The Iranians, as you mentioned, have already broken all of the restrictions, and to think that they will just go back in the box, to use the phrase of Jake Sullivan, the uh, incoming national security advisor, I think is foolhardy and naive. The Iranians are not going to give up 20% enrichment. They are not going to give up their new generation, far more advanced, far more productive centrifuges for nothing. They're going to demand that the United States lift all sanctions immediately before they do anything. And once we lift sanctions, who knows what they will do? They may not fulfill any of their promises. In fact, I don't expect them to do so. So this is going to be a great challenge for the incoming administration. They are committed to the Iran nuclear deal, but they're going to find that the Iranians themselves are no longer committed to the limits of the deal. I just wanted to remind you that Ken is at the airport. You can hear the noise. We're going to have to put up with that just a few moments. Ken, it looks like Mike Pompeo, the outgoing Secretary of State, is going to stay busy at the task until he has to leave office. 
warning that the Islamic Jihadist organization, Al-Qaeda, now has a new home base, and that is in Iran. This is not a good development, is it? Well, it's not a good development, Jimmy, except, I must say, I applaud Secretary Pompeo for making that announcement. We have known that Al-Qaeda has a relationship with Iran for many, many years. It has been, however, the U.S. State Department that has refused to acknowledge this public. The Treasury Department has repeatedly sanctioned uh, al-Qaeda members in Iran uh, and has stated that they were based in Iran and they were conducting activities sanctioned by the Iranian regime. But the State Department has never wanted to do that. So I really do applaud the courage of Secretary Pompeo to overrule the professional diplomats at the State Department and say out loud what everybody in the intelligence community has known for the past 15 years, and that is that Iran has a good working relationship with al-Qaeda, and when they want to help al-Qaeda against the United States, they do. Ken, let me stay with Iran just a moment more. Looks like Iran is trying to deepen their roots in Syria, despite signs that the Syrians may no longer say that Iran is welcome in their nation. What do you know? Well, that's going to be very interesting to watch this development. Uh, Yes, the Iranians want to remain in Syria. They want to keep that land bridge open through Iraq so they can resupply Hezbollah from Iraq, through Iraq, and through Syria directly into Lebanon. The Syrian regime is making some noises, some suggestions, floating a trial balloon that they would like to see Iran step back from Syria because they they believe that the Iranians are essentially keeping the war going when Syria, with the help of the Russians, are trying to tamp it down and put an end to the war so they can start reconstruction. So this is going to be an interesting tension to watch develop over the next couple of months, Jimmy. And in light of that, we see Iran and China both making promises to be the biggest test for the new Joe Biden administration in 2021. Think these will be the two players bothering Biden so much, Iran and China? Well, uh, yes, but I would add to that North Korea. So you have those three regimes that uh, have been essentially checked by President Trump for the past four years. They will be challenging President Biden again, I believe, early in his administration in the coming weeks or months. The Chinese are very happy to see Biden in the White House. They know that he will be favorable towards them. Uh, They have paid off his son uh, $15 million over the past couple of years. All of that is on the public record. Uh, And uh, they believe that uh, Biden will loosen the trade restrictions put in place by President Trump and stop challenging China to allow Chinese hegemony to develop. Remember, President Trump has gone after Chinese intelligence networks in the United States over the past couple of years. He's highlighted the Confucius Institutes funded by the Chinese government in U.S. universities. He's also uh, prosecuted a professor at Harvard University uh, for taking money that he did not declare from the Chinese government. All of these steps are going to cease under President Biden. As far as North Korea is concerned, they have been held in check. Their nuclear weapons program has been held in check by President Trump, by his direct dialogue with the young Kim. And I suspect that he is going to do something provocative to try to cut a new deal with the Biden administration. He desperately wants to get the U.S. to lift sanctions, which Trump has not done. 
He's been using them as a negotiating chip against North Korea, and I think Kim is going to want to get sanctions removed. And he, he will dangle some kind of deal the way that the North Koreans have done for the past 40 years with the United States. He'll dangle a deal, he'll do something threatening, and say, well, I'll stop this threatening behavior if you remove the sanctions. And then, of course, he won't do what he promised to do. And I have read about Kim Jong-un's growing nuclear wish list for the new Biden administration. We'll stay on top of that with you, Ken. But speaking of China, let's go back to them just for a moment. After President Trump steps aside, Joe Biden moves into the White House. After that departure and new entrance for another president, will China lead this world in the activities economically and militarily, as we know they are moving to do towards that today? Well, the Chinese are making great strides, both economically and militarily. They've introduced fifth-generation fighter jets. These are stealth aircraft. A lot of the technology has been developed by the Chinese themselves, although they have bought, borrowed, and stolen whatever they could from the United States. They've been doing that for the past 25 years. As far as the economy is concerned, I've seen estimates from economists that the Chinese economy will grow by 8% this year, which is a phenomenal growth rate, and they will soon become the world's largest economy, especially if the Biden administration doesn't stop these shutdowns of American cities and American states and American industry. China will soon overtake us as the world's greatest economy. And one more thought I want to bring to your attention before I let you go. I know you're at the airport just about ready to board an aircraft. Let me ask you about the dress rehearsal that recently took place there in Syria and how Russia practiced real-life war in Syria. Boy, that seems to be very threatening, especially for Israel, doesn't it? Well, it, it does. The Russians, remember, suffered a really stunning defeat when they went into the Republic of Georgia in 2008. Their air force did not perform well. Their military in general, even the ground forces, did not perform well. So what they've been doing in Syria is testing a new generation of weapons and new tactics by their air force. And interestingly, they are not using smart weapons uh, very widely. They're using dumb bombs and carpet bombing and cluster bombs against Syrian populated areas, against cities and hospitals, so all civilian targets. But they're bringing out all of their prototypes, their weapon prototypes. They tested the Sukhoi T-50 fighter bomber even before it had been equipped with weapons. They were test flying it in Syria in combat conditions. So they are trying to get combat experience for their flight crews. They're trying to battle test their weaponry. And don't forget, there's a commercial aspect to this as well, because (laughs) the Russians have fallen behind us in selling their weapons around the world so that they can claim at the arms fairs that I used to go and cover all the time for about 25 years, battle-tested. They put up that label, battle-tested, on their missiles and on their aircraft. It helps them to sell more around the world. Boy, that's a very key report that Ken Timmerman just gave us about Russia, ready to go to war from their base, their military base there in Syria at Israel's northern border. Great prophetic significance. I'll get to it just a bit later in the broadcast. We caught Ken Timmerman on the run. He's getting ready to get on an aircraft. You may have heard some noise uh, from the announcements there made at the airport, but we had to get a hold of Ken for his analysis of what's going on. Thank you so much, Ken. Fly safely, and we'll talk again next week.
Thanks so much, Jimmy. God bless. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, David Dolan's standing by. He's got a Middle East news update for us. It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. The book of Revelation is God's final word to man and the timeline of the last days revealed to the Christians. This symbolism-filled example of apocalyptic literature can be difficult to understand, especially when simply reading it from beginning to end. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest book, Revelation, A Chronology, takes a walk through the prophetic book of Revelation in the order that the events will take place, chronologically, sharing insights into its true meaning and doing so in an easy-to-understand and practical way. If you have difficulty understanding the book of Revelation, get your copy of Revelation, A Chronology, and let Dr. Jimmy DeYoung aid you in your understanding of this profound end-times prophecy book that God has preserved in His Scriptures for Christians in the last days. To order your copy of Jimmy D. Young's Revelation, a chronology, call us toll-free at 877-674-3298 or visit our website at prophecytoday.com. I want to remind you that I do have a website. It's prophecytoday.com. This is a full-service website. It will assist you in your study of Bible prophecy. For example, I have a prophecy bookstore with a number of materials that will help you as you study through the prophetic passages of God's Word. I have a number of books, DVD documentaries, and five-hour audio series on the subject of Bible prophecy. I have a prophecy Q&A section, and then I list the top 10 news stories on a daily basis. These are news stories that seemingly are setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. And I will give you a prophetic perspective on those news stories. That website that you should bookmark is prophecytoday.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We were to be tomorrow through Tuesday at the Heritage Baptist Church in Calhoun, Georgia. However, this last week got a call from the pastor that what was going on in his church was not good. They found out about 10 different people, maybe up to 18, had contacted coronavirus. So out of safety concerns, we decided that we would postpone for a couple of weeks the meeting. We'll keep you posted. With this coronavirus situation, you never know what is going to take place at any time and at any place. Please pray for the church there, Heritage Baptist Church, Calhoun, Georgia. Well, let me get right now to the conversation with David Dolan. I promised that. He gives us a Middle East news update, which is key to each and every one of us who are students of Bible prophecy, because David is reporting on the region of the world where the prophetic scenario found in the Word of God will be all played out. David, let me talk to you about the United States and the headline I read, Israel as well is on top military alert because of the possibility that Iran may try to exploit the Washington, D.C. political mayhem that's going on, and even the inauguration. Now, I can understand why the United States is on high alert. Why would Israel be on high alert, David? 
Well, Jimmy, the summary of that is Iran says they will strike at Israel and, uh, of course, annihilate it eventually and hit Tel Aviv and Haifa, and those statements have been repeated here recently. But, Jimmy, even more than that, I would say we are now at war. Now, that's a strong thing to say, but Israel hit 15 Iranian-linked targets on uh, Tuesday night in eastern Syria. A lot of them were Hezbollah. Some of them were Iranian uh, positions themselves, missile storage facilities. That's the fourth Israeli airstrike in two weeks. And that came as Iran is staging day after day all sorts of military, quote, exercises, but very aggressive They've moved their, they call them suicide drones, to northern Yemen, where they can reach southern Israel and all of Saudi Arabia and the Gulf states. They held a massive exercise on Friday, yesterday, in central Iran, where they were testing ballistic missiles and these new drones. Uh, Last week, they unveiled their new base right on the Red Sea, just near the Strait of Hormuz, where the leaders were pictured on television walking over American and Israeli flags deliberately. They just launched their largest ship, they say, in their arsenal into the Red Sea this week and uh, their ally North Korea parading its new range of uh, weapons. So really fighting is already going on. The tensions are extremely high. And, of course, the transition in Washington, a lot of people out of their positions, including Homeland Secretary Director and uh, the struggle over the presidency and all that's gone on, certainly gives an extra window of opportunity for Israel's enemies, for America's enemies, but Israel's enemies, they're the same. And uh, the Israelis, as the defense minister, Benny Gantz, said on Tuesday up at the Golan, we are fully prepared for any attacks near or far. And even though we're heading into another election and political instability, we're watching very, very closely what's going on. And we will stay on top of these stories as David Dolan, our man covering the Middle East, as he has done for some 30 years, will assist us in doing exactly that. Well, I understand that Israel will urge Biden to work with the Saudis in light of what you're telling us here and other Arab states against this Iran strategy. Uh, Is there a strategy being put together by the Israelis for that to happen? Well, they are prepared for all eventualities, basically. And we had comments from the president of Iran this week that it's the United States that's the enemy, not just Donald Trump. In other words, Joe Biden also will be considered an enemy. The alliance between Israel and the United States still remains strong, but the Israelis are certainly very nervous over the political standoff in the U.S., And the Israelis are just going to be, you know, as strong as they can, as on alert as they can. But they're very, very worried, Jimmy. This is probably the most uh, delicate uh, time that I've seen between the standoff between Iran and the United States and Israel. Saudi Arabia, of course, in the target hairs of the Iranians as well. And uh, Israel certainly uh, believes that that the policy that uh, Donald Trump adopted tilting more towards the Saudis was the right one. And uh, actually, Jimmy, they're not worried that much about the nuclear accord. The Iranians now openly enriching uranium up to 20 percent. They're in such violation of the previous one. It doesn't look like they're going backwards on that. And they're assessing there's very little chance that that will go anywhere, even if Biden would like it to. 
Talk to me, David. Do you believe what you've been telling us will have any effect on the upcoming Israeli elections taking place in March? Well, it will. Uh, Security is always one of the main campaign issues in any election, this being the fourth in two years. What it's doing is the new right-wing party, New Hope, is taking an even stronger stand against Iran than Benjamin Netanyahu has taken, at least verbally. You know, that may attract even more votes. The latest polls show it gaining strength. And that, of course, is a former ally of Netanyahu who's leading that. And uh, it's just a, a muddle. We've set a balagan, 16 parties running, at least 12 expected to get into the Knesset. But definitely the right wing is uh, taking a majority of the vote in all the polls up to 55 percent. But who will be the leader of that pact? That's the main question. And we will, again, stay on top of that story as well with David Dolan. I noticed that Israel this week announced some new Jewish settlement homes there in Judea and Samaria. Are they not risking Biden's anger over doing something like that? What are your thoughts? Well, definitely the policy will revert to the more traditional American view that uh, settlements are illegal and you know, no more building of that, and the Israelis recognize that, but that may be the reason that they're sort of scrambling to get as much done as they can right now. But again, Jimmy, the assessment currently is that the internal struggles in the states are so strong now that there's not going to be that much focus outside of the country for the time being, unless, of course, a full war begins, Iran attacks American targets or something, then there's no choice but to turn the attention this way. But apart from that, they just don't think there's going to be that much actual pressure right away because of just preoccupation with the crisis, the coronavirus too. And of course, that's surging again in Israel, over 9,000 cases every day this week, a new record there. So eyes are elsewhere at the moment. David, I read a very interesting article just yesterday that was talking about one of the top rabbis, and this was the chief rabbi for the Sephardic element of the body politic of Israel. He was making a statement that America is collapsing and Israel must step up as the new world power. Is that wishful thinking, or is it braggadocio, or what is that? Well, I think it's exaggerated to say that Israel would become the new world power, but the fading, as it were, of the U.S. is uh, being counted everywhere. The Iranians were boasting about that this week. The Turks were, the Russians were, the Chinese were, the North Koreans were. And uh, it's clear that uh, there are huge internal problems in the states that are probably not going to just disappear, uh, maybe even civil war, some are saying. So that means Israel has to stand more alone and look for other allies, and that's both of which they're doing. They're strengthening their ties with uh, India, for instance, and with Germany and uh, France and other countries, but that they would become the new superpower or something like that. Well, that's what Iran has as its goal. It states that quite openly. That's not going to happen either, but um, Israel will maybe have to act more on its own in the future, and they're preparing for that. David, you and I both have read the last chapter, and ultimately that will be the case as it relates to Israel. When Jesus Christ returns to the earth, sets up his kingdom, he's going to do that from the city of Jerusalem, and the nation of Israel will become 
somewhat of a superpower. So that's an exciting time to think about. It may not be happening right now, but looking down the halls of history, we'll see that happening pretty quickly, I do believe, don't you? I do, and as all I can say is, Maranatha, Lord, come, because uh, we need him very, very badly. But yes, Israel will survive. It's strong, and it's going to continue to thrive, and Jerusalem will remain the capital of the Jewish state until the end. The scriptures are clear on that. A great statement there. Maranatha, Jesus, come quickly. Praise the Lord. That's that's going to be my thought as well. David, thank you so very much for this Middle East news update. As I said at the beginning, it's key for all of us who are students of Bible prophecy. We so appreciate your understanding of the prophetic word of God, but your knowledge of what's happening on the ground there in the Middle East and in particular in Israel as well. Thank you, buddy. We'll have another conversation next week. I'm blessed to do it, Jimmy. God bless. We're going to take a quick break, come back with Winky Madad. I want to talk more about the Biden administration and the Jewish settlements. He lives, Winky does, in one of those settlements and has a very interesting story to tell us related to Menachem Begin and Joe Biden. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Every believer needs to understand Bible prophecy. Whether you're a novice or a student, we are here to help you. Just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the Prophecy Bookstore. There you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible prophecy student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy. This series examines how God has used human leaders in general and specifically the last seven U.S. presidents to set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. This was shot on location in Washington, D.C. and is available on DVD or as a 10-hour audio series on CD. Be sure to check back often for special deals. You can visit prophecytoday.com and click on Bookstore or you can go directly to prophecybookstore.com. Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. We move into our second half hour of the three half hours, 90 minutes, I have asked you to give me every week so I can give you my broadcast partners around the world who will deal with the issues in the region where they may be covering all current events. Right now, we're going to go to the central part of the state of Israel out in the area of Judea and Samaria. Some refer to that as the West Bank, but it's God's word that calls it Judea and Samaria, a piece of real estate promised to the Jewish people by God's word and God's men. That is an absolute promise that cannot be broken. God made the statement. He will abide by what he says. We're going to go to Winky Madad, who lives in the center of that particular location, a very historic place, a biblical piece of real estate where Winky lives. It's Shiloh. And when Joshua brought the children of Israel into the promised land about 3,500 years ago, he brought them into Shiloh. They put up a tabernacle there. Ark of the Covenant was there. And for 350 years, that was the capital of the Jewish people coming into the promised land. Now, the reason I give you that background 
If you're familiar with the program and Winky Madad, you know most of what I told you. But I wanted to remind you about that because my question is going to go to Winky right now. Many are asking about a Biden, a Joe Biden administration, which will deal with these areas, these communities, Jewish communities. Some refer to them as the Jewish settlements. And in fact, what is going to be Biden's decision on these particular communities, the Jewish people living there? Winky, that's the question. We're talking about the history. You know it much better than I would and most people. What about the fact that a Joe Biden may not work with the Jewish people as it relates, and in particular, the Jewish settlers in Judea and Samaria? What are your thoughts? Well, Jimmy, I want to make just two observations. First relates, of course, to Mr. Biden himself personally. And the second to the appointments he's been making for his new administration that will be coming in in a couple of days. Mr. Biden is not an extreme leftist or radical, unlike some of the new members of the Democratic Party, but he has been a long-time, shall we say, opponent or someone who does not agree with Israel's policy of having Jews being able to reside in Judea and Samaria. And uh, the first indication is that, if I'm not mistaken, and if I recall correctly, in about 1978, I think it was the second visit of Mr. Begin to the United States, he had a small conference with some senators, and as is the custom, some of the senators got up and made statements. Mr. Biden then was a young senator from Delaware, and he was very straightforward about his disagreement with Israel's policies in Judea and Samaria. But he then sort of crossed the line with Mr. Begin and indicated that Israel must do this or that, in a sense of what Mr. Begin interpreted was trying to dictate to him rather than discussing the issues between allies. And I can tell you that Mr. Begin, if anybody knows his history as an underground fighter and commander and a longtime opposition member of Knesset, he can become very fiery. And I think what ticked Mr. Begin off was that Biden intentionally or unintentionally banged on his table to make the point. I won't bother your listeners with all the details but I would say that Mr. Begin told him off in no uncertain terms, I think is the best way I can describe it, that he should not be intimating to Israel that it must do this or it must do that. That is his personal uh, history. And very quickly, so the second point is that some of the advisors, some of the secretaries of various departments that he's been appointing, if I'm not mistaken, the new incoming head of the Foreign Relations Committee has already said he wants to positively react to perhaps reopening the Palestinian mission in Washington and uh, reverse the Trump administration withholding the funds until the Palestinian Authority stops to pay for slave policy that they have, foreign aid issues uh, in general. It seems that the people that he is appointing are more, just for our listeners' sake, call the Obama type of administration very negative in terms of the issue that you asked me about. 
Now, let me ask this. Is there anything that this incoming administration led by Joe Biden can do to put any activities in place, maybe even trying to evacuate the Jewish settlements? Because often it's said that the Jewish settlers out there, instead of being the first line of defense for Israel, they are a hindrance to peace. What are your thoughts? Well, let me first deal with your last point. If there is going to be any peace, it has to be between peoples. If over one million Arabs can live in the state of Israel, I'm sure that a similar number could live in the state of Palestine, even if it is to be established in some future date. There's a theoretical discussion here. To deny Jews the right to live in Shiloh and Bethel and Hebron and other things, that's the real apartheid policy. And it wouldn't be right. Peace is when people recognize each other and accept each other, which is not the case at the present. No matter how much territory Israel has handed over or whatever previous administrations from America have tried to do. As to the regard of whether or not the pressure will become extreme, as you perhaps indicated, I have a plus and I have a minus. The plus is we overcame Obama. I'm sure we can do that with Mr. Biden. The minus is, will Mr. Biden be in office for his full four years? That is a question only God, I think, knows. So I won't get into that now. But if it does happen that he is incapacitated one way or another, and we know he has health issues, I'm not talking about anything that is not known, it might be a different ballgame. You mentioned the name of God He is the one that said, this is a land I'm going to give to the Jewish people. Back in Leviticus chapter 25, he said, it's my land. I will give it to whomever I want to be the custodians. He decided on the Jewish people. Now, you would say that's an absolute, would you not? Not only is it an absolute, but it's an historical fact. (laughs) We have been in this land. Uh, We have returned to this land. The land has been developed and become fruitful Because we are here, it's obvious all these things come together in a divine plan. And that is an absolute. Winky Madad, our broadcast partner, wanted to get this on the table as we get ready to move into this new Joe Biden administration as it relates to what they may do relating to the Jewish settlements, a piece of real estate God has promised to give the Jewish people. And as Winky said, it's history. They have moved into that land. Winky, thank you so much, my good friend. I'm sure in the days ahead in 2021, we'll have many more conversations. But I thank you especially for this one. Jimmy, thank you again for having me on. And Goodbye to you and our listeners. Very important conversation with Winky Madad, giving us insight into what a President Biden might do as it relates to the areas of Judea and Samaria. We'll stay on top of that story with Winky Madad. Well, we change regions now from the Middle East to the European Union. And the man covering that force, John Rood, John, great to have you along today. Let me get right to the stories we want to talk to you about. European Union is warning that Iran's enrichment of uranium up to a matter of deep concern. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, the EU has come out with, you know, a very strong opinion 
the European Union foreign policy chief, Joseph Borrell, who we frequently mention, has said Iran has to avoid further escalation. And Iran, of course, is taking advantage of this precarious time, a difficult time with government in the United States. And so they have now openly uh, enriched the uranium to 20% level. Uh, under the previous, uh, what we know as the Iran nuclear deal, the enrichment level was 3.67%. So there are concerns about this, and the EU is making a stand. It's a very serious development. It appears that there's no reason for such a uh, escalation in the enrichment unless it is used in some form for uh, nuclear weapons or near, it's a step in that direction. And at the same time, European Union getting a warning from Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State, for a couple of more days. He making the statement that al-Qaeda has now a new home base that's in Iran. So this should enhance this concern from the European Union, should it not? Absolutely. Indeed, uh, Secretary of State uh, Pompeo has said that Iran and al-Qaeda are really now partners together in terrorism. And so they have their apparent new home base in the Republic of Iran, and they need to proceed a bit within the uh, framework and rules that the government there would give them. But, of course, Iran has been cited as the greatest threat to security, uh, stability, and peace in the Middle East. And so al-Qaeda within their borders, plus a nuclear uh, proliferation, a very dangerous situation. Well, it looks like the European Union may go back and rethink their support for continuing that nuclear deal, the Obama nuclear deal with Iran after all that's going on right now. John, talk to me about this headline that I read. It says, From Dangerous Fantasy to Reality in Seven Years, revealing that the European Union is talking about a uniformed service. Now, that sounds to me like we're talking about a military operation for the European Union. What's the latest update? The EU has a long history of military operations, but it's usually the nations of the EU that send their own uh, delegations and troops, and they work under an EU command. But uh, this is the very first time that there is a dedicated European Union military uniform. And so this goes to what's known as Frontex, which is the European Union's combined border force and Coast Guard. And so we understand how the European Union operates, that it's sort of a step-by-step approach to what can be uh, received and welcomed. And through the years, I've seen many, I've seen many hybrid uniforms in various uh, conferences or presentations. But this apparently is the first one that really has the EU insignias, flags, and so forth. And we have to take note here as well that, you know, the EU Commission uh, president right now, Ursula von der Leyen, she was formerly the German defense secretary. And so she's been calling for uh, the EU to have credible military capabilities. That's her, that's her specialty. So there's more into this story, Jimmy, than, uh, than just meets the eye as something in the background. It's really a significant statement that we're here and the Euro Army is on the way. 
John Root is the man covering the European Union for us because we do believe that that would be the infrastructure for the revived Roman Empire, a major player in the prophetic scenario found in God's Word for the future. John, thank you very much. Appreciate it, buddy. We'll have another conversation next week. Thank you. That's absolutely the truth of what's happening. Thank you for everything. John Rood always comes to the broadcast table with information, a update on the European Union and how the political activities there in Europe are indeed helping to put in place and set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. Well, from Europe, the European Union, to American politics, that's what we want to put on the agenda right now as we bring to the broadcast table Sam Rohr. Sam is not only involved in the political arena, having served as a state senator for a number of years in Pennsylvania, uh, but he is also involved in the media. He has a national radio program, Stand in the Gap Today, also a national TV program as well. And he is indeed a very key player as it relates to the pastors here in America. He's the president of the American Pastors Network. I want to talk to you, Sam, today about the coronavirus. We'll get to that in a moment because of a letter that I read that you sent out to the pastors. But let me ask this question first. Because of your involvement in the media, do you believe that uh, there is a time unfolding in our world today, especially here in America, with lots of misinformation out there? What are your thoughts? Well, I think that uh, you are probably going very kind on the amount of misinformation. I think in reality we're living in days of deception, greater perhaps than anything that anyone who's listening to this program probably has entertained. Now, you can call it propaganda, you can call it disinformation, or you can just call it flat-out deception. But it marks both the media, the president referred to it as fake news. Well, it's not just fake news. To me, it's distorted truth. And we've been seeing that in the media. It's happening all around us as we do this program right now. There are efforts to not only silence the communication that goes out, but it's also to reinterpret and put out what somebody else wants it to be. It reminds me just so very, very much what Christ told his disciples in Matthew 24. First thing, don't be deceived, and then later tells them about false prophets that will arise. And I think we are seeing that in a remarkable, not good, but just a remarkably enhanced fashion. So, yes, deception is what marks the information of the day, unfortunately. Well, I do like that word deception better than I do the word misinformation. But uh, deception, misinformation, whichever we're going to call it, is any of that, in your opinion, related to the coronavirus vaccine that is uh, now available to many people, but there's a lot of controversy surrounding it. Misinformation? Yes, Jimmy, I, I absolutely do. I feel very strongly about that because we on our Stand in the Gap Today radio program, we have covered this whole matter of the coronavirus policies, as I'm calling I'm calling them panic policies. Uh, a virus arises, invisible, shuts down the entire world, the nations of the world, the governments of the world 
proceed immediately as if they had the song sheet in front of them and like a coordinated orchestra begin to implement the same policies of lockdown and uh, distortion of living and put things into place, as we've seen in this country, that's literally affected every aspect of our life from the way we work or do we work and which is essential and not as essential to how we school our children or if we school our children to whether we gather as a family, to whether we can either gather for a wedding or a funeral has affected our worship across this country. Nothing has ever been greater than this, but into that comes the matter of the vaccine. Now, the vaccine is interesting, and I'm terming this whole process, Jimmy, to be a part of what I call the Hegelian dialectic. It is the presentation of a problem or a crisis that is called this virus, and then it's also directly linked with a pre-identified solution. That solution is a vaccine. And, of course, anyone listening to me know that that was said from the beginning, and even to this point, it is a vaccine implemented around the world that is put out as the only solution to this um, crisis, and the pressure is being put on, on, on everybody to take it, and we can go further on that, how that is deceptively being put forth. But I do believe that a vaccine, a cure, and we can talk about why it is not an alternative that is good, being put out as a solution to a problem, the problem being the virus, but for which, regardless of what they say, it's 99.96%, literally only four-tenths of percent of people who get the virus actually lose their lives from it. It's a problem that you cannot quantify in terms of fatality, and you have a solution called a vaccine that is being pushed by the governments of the world onto people, forcing them through various deceptive mechanisms to take it, to uh, diminish their cautions, and to embrace it, and we can get into some of that, how that's being done. But it's very real. I feel very strongly about it, and I feel it falls into the category of major, major deception. Sam, I uh, saw a letter that you sent to the pastors from your position as the president of the American Pastors Association talking about the vaccine. What was the importance of this letter you sent to these pastors? Well, what I wanted to do, Jimmy, because I've been rather disappointed, I suppose, in, uh, in leaders, and I'm going to go right to the pulpits. So many in the pulpits, in regard to this vaccine, this purported solution, that are not even themselves investigating what it is, what it could do, what even the manufacturer is saying about the warning signs about this vaccine, and instead promoting it to their people as if it's an answer from God. And actually, some pastors have actually said it. I sent the letter out to pastors, trying to put in front of them uh, some questions. Consider, I said, just consider. Have you considered what this vaccine is about, what it is purported to do? Do you know what it will do? Uh, do you know what the risk and the benefits are to it, as even given by the manufacturer? And I provided for them a link to a Stand on a Gap Today radio program with a doctor that I had on. We talked about it in depth. I provided a transcript 
and I provide an access to a short video where probably 30 different medical experts, immunologists, and others from around the world all together raised question one after another about the problems, potential problems with this vaccine and why it will not or cannot deliver the promises that are being put forth. That's what I sent to the pastors. I think that would be great information that the entire body of Christ would be able to have available to them as well. Is there a spot on your website which they could go to, and could you give us that link so we could send them there? They can find the transcript and a report, a study, and an analysis that I have just completed using the Pfizer vaccine, their own fact sheet, their own materials as the source of of the comparison. And that can be found at AmericanPastorsNetwork.net, and uh, it's, uh, it'll be at the bottom of that front page when they go there, AmericanPastorsNetwork.net. And they can take and they can download that study and some other information right from that page. Is it a viable possibility, Sam, that ultimately the government can make this a mandatory vaccine? Everybody has to take it in order to be able to do business, to travel for whatever reason they want. And could this be another form of government control of the people? Yes, it will be a measure of control. However, I don't expect immediately that government will mandate the fact that someone can be forced to take something through their skin uh, given by government. What is happening right now, Jimmy, is very, very, again, deceptive. What you're having are third-party entities. You're now having the International Travel Organization, for instance, that are saying that very soon coming up, and they have it already in place, that unless you have a COVID passport, a COVID passport meaning you have a a certificate that is linked to your smartphone that proves that you have gotten the vaccine. That phone has a tracer on it that can trace you around the world, and that's a part of this whole vaccine effort. They will say you cannot board an airplane unless you prove that you have taken this government vaccine. It is being tied into the move towards digital currency that is being more talked about regularly, and I think you're going to see in probably a matter of months, digital currency, get rid of cash, and the linking of the access to your currency being predicated upon you having taken the vaccine. There is plenty of discussion out there relative to not being permitted perhaps back to school or to the workplace until you can prove you have taken or submitted, I'm going to say, submitted to this, this government uh, vaccine. It's actually a drug. It's actually not a, truly a vaccine, but it's, a, it's, it's being presented that way. And, and, Jimmy, that's what's happening, and that reminds me so much of what it will be in the days of the rise of the Antichrist, the man of sin. We know biblically that the world is going to have something in place by which this man of sin, this globalist system, are going to have to um, make people accept it or they won't be able to buy and sell, as an example. Now we're already seeing that literally before us. And so even right now, if a person takes the vaccine, they have to sign a consent form. The consent form, which nobody's talking about, the consent form says that they have read all the material about the vaccine and they understand it. Well, nobody understands it. Number two, they read it and they have compared the risk versus the benefits and they have considered it. Nobody knows what that is because they don't know what the risks are yet because of the, the studies are still ongoing. And thirdly, 
they, they give up and they give away all legal right that, to sue. They give away all legal right to sue, and they agree to bear the cost, medical costs, of any problem that arises from this shot in the arm. And the other thing that they do is that they sign and give away the ability uh, of their privacy of not only the vaccine to themselves, but their health issues, and it uh, permits it to be transmitted literally worldwide through a mechanism, an entity that, that will take this information and connect it with whoever government wants to around the world. And I'm saying, we're just raising the question, I'm saying, who would do that? Who would want to give away all of those rights? These, these are matters of deception we're talking about, Jimmy. It's a big issue. It really, really is. And that's why we're trying to let people to know and say, check it out. Please, check it out. Don't take the government's word or any other quote-unquote expert. Read the materials. And I say, if they go to my site and read what that material is, they will understand very, very clearly. It's not my opinion. Just read what the manufacturer says, and uh, they can come to their own conclusion. But for me, I'm not taking it. Uh, I think that uh, you've almost convinced me not to take it either. Very interesting conversation with Sam Rohr, who is the president of the American Pastors Network, communicating with them about the issue we've discussed in the last couple of moments. Sam, give that uh, link one more time for people to go to if they'd like more information and your letter. Absolutely. Uh, the American Pastors, plural, American Pastors Network. .net, and at the bottom of that front page, they'll see something there with a uh, Pfizer or vaccination information. You can take and download it from that page. Thank you so much, Sam. Appreciate it. We'll have another conversation, I'm sure, about other issues down the road. Thank you, Jimmy. We're going to have to take a break when we come back. One more broadcast partner, David James. We're going to be talking about a great life and ministry of two precious people, husband and wife, Harry and Millie Ballback. Now with the Lord. You don't want to miss that conversation all ahead, right here on Prophecy Today. Hi everybody, Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So glad to have you keep the entire time that I've requested for you to listen to the broadcast, 90 minutes, as we've been able to present our broadcast partners with very important reports. We have one more broadcast partner, David James, standing by. We're going to honor a couple, a couple that were great heroes of the faith, Harry and Millie Fallback. Please don't forget to answer our poll question this week. Here's the question. With a new president at the White House and a new Biden administration to lead America for the next four years, do you believe that God is still in charge and will direct Joe Biden and his team to make decisions to fulfill God's will? That's the poll question. Be sure to answer it on my homepage of my website, prophecytoday.com. We now bring to these microphones David James. David and I have a weekly conversation focused on an issue that may well be confronting the body of Christ. This time we're going to honor a giant of the faith, Harry Ballback, who is now in the presence of his wonderful Lord and Savior. And by the way, Millie, Harry's precious wife, is also in the heavenlies 
them both going to meet the Lord within a six-day period of time. We'll get to that in a moment, and also a couple of emails about last week's program coming in from some of our listeners. But first, David, before we do that, I would like for you to tell us about a conference that you were involved with this week that also is connected with a new ministry you're helping to launch. Sure. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Jimmy. A couple of years ago, our listeners may remember that I contributed to a book titled What is Dispensationalism? that had 17 different authors, and the managing editor of that book was Paul Miles, who is a missionary in Ukraine, the founding director of Grace Abroad Ministries, and uh, we had met through a Facebook discussion group as he was trying to find contributors for the book. Interestingly, as it turns out, his uncle was the founder of our church in Paris, Illinois, and he still attends there, and Paul's dad was just a year behind me at the engineering school where I got my undergrad degree, uh, although I didn't know him at the time. And so Paul grew up just 20 miles from where we are now. Anyway, Paul and I and a few other guys have come together to start a new ministry alongside our existing ministries called the International Society for Biblical Hermeneutics. The purpose of ISBH is to provide pastors and missionaries throughout Europe and really throughout the world with resources that are based in a literal, grammatical, historical hermeneutic. And we're focusing on especially the gospel, the biblical gospel, and dispensationalism. So this week we did a Zoom conference with several speakers presenting papers related to the doctrine of salvation, and I presented three of those papers, and I'll have those up on the Alliance for Biblical Integrity website in a few days. Boy, that sounds like a great opportunity to come together and form an organization that's going to help build up the body of Christ, how to interpret the Word of God, not only the prophetic word, but the entire 66 books of the Bible. We'll be praying for you, David, and this new organization. Now, before we get to our main topic, honoring a great giant of the faith, Harry Ballback, I thought that it would probably be good for us to respond to some listeners' emails that we received concerning last week's program. And actually, that was something of a mixed bag. Share them with us. Sure. Well, I'm not surprised with the different reactions, Jimmy, and we sort of took fire from both sides. But when dealing with a controversial issue, that usually means you're probably about where you need to be in terms of balance. One of the big questions was exactly who was involved with the breach of the Capitol on January 6th. Was it just regular Trump supporters, or did it also include extremists connected with QAnon and white nationalists, or did it also include Antifa infiltrators? Uh, One listener said that he had heard eyewitnesses saying Antifa was involved, and you and I have heard those reports as well. Another listener said that Trump is evil incarnate, and that those who stormed the Capitol were far-right Trump cultists, with many who hate Jews and deny the Holocaust. And, of course, we've been seeing those reports, too. And then there was another listener who took us to task for presenting both sides and not taking a firm position one way or the other. So, Jimmy, you know, everybody who listens to us knows that we're conservatives theologically and politically and socially, but our allegiance is not to a political party or to politicians. It's to the Lord, His Word, and the truth. And until we're fairly certain of what that truth is, we'll continue to present both sides as best we can. And, of course, ultimately come out with 
our recommendations from a biblical perspective as to how we should proceed. Well, that aside, everything that we wanted to talk about before we focused our conversation on honoring a giant of the faith. You know, over the years, David, people have heard us as we've honored heroes right here on this broadcast, heroes of the faith, something similar to what you would read there in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. These who have gone home to be with the Lord. We want to do that today to honor Harry and Millie Ballback. They were dear friends of both of us, David, and over the past week or so, they both passed into the Lord's presence within a few days of each other. Well, you mentioned Heroes of the Faith, and Harry and and Millie Ballback were certainly that for me and my wife and our family. Uh, I know that in today's world, it's easy to have our attention drawn to the high-profile leaders who fail, but much more important, I think, is to remember those who've run the race and finished well, you know, thinking of Paul's words to his disciple Timothy just before Paul faced his own death. Uh, Harry died less than a week short of his 95th birthday, and Millie, who was his wife of over 70 years, went home to be with the Lord less than a week before Harry did. He was with Word of Life from the beginning and served in one way or another for almost 80 years, which is incredible. And our connections with Word of Life go back to 1985 when we were students at the Bible Institute, and we were on staff for 21 years with Word of Life, and I saw firsthand how Harry and Millie were role models for literally hundreds of staff, and the outpouring of kind words that I've seen on social media shows just how much they were loved. I was uh, last with Harry and Millie less than two years ago when they were not in good health at all even then, uh, when his daughter invited me over for a dessert when I was teaching in Scroon Lake at the Bible Institute, and even then at 92, he was as sharp as ever and still telling amazing stories. And one of the things that both of us will have to remember about him were the stories he could tell, keeping you right on the edge of your seat. Well, let's take a moment, David. Talk to us about Harry's life and ministry. As you said, he was with Word of Life from the very beginning, and he did many, many different things over the years that had a tremendous impact on tens of thousands of lives, actually probably hundreds of thousands, if you think about all the ripple effects. And that's right. Harry grew up in Brooklyn and was saved at age 14. He became an accomplished musician at a young age, and that's what the Lord used to put him into ministry. In 1941, at age 16, Harry met Word of Life founder Jack Wurtson and started playing piano for him in a prison meeting the very next day, which was the Sunday that the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. That marked the beginning of a 55-year ministry partnership until Jack went home to be with the Lord in 1996. Harry joined the Marines after high school in 1943 and fought in the Pacific Theater, including uh, on Okinawa. After the war, he joined back up with Jack Wurtson again, and they started traveling together. Uh, In 1946, Word of Life purchased a 48-acre island in Scroon Lake in the Adirondack Mountains as the first youth camp. Harry and Millie were married a couple of years later and then headed to Brazil in 1950 as missionaries, where they reached tribal groups in the jungles and also started a youth camp, an adult conference center, and a Bible institute. After 15 years, they returned to the States, where Harry started Word of Life's international ministry, which now includes over 70 countries with 14 Bible institutes, and he was named a co-director of Word of Life in 1969. 
Uh, he used his musical talent to develop Christmas musicals and an Easter passion play that reached tens of thousands of people with the gospel, and his contagious love for the Lord, honestly, Jimmy, was amazing, and he was one of my favorite preachers. And, and I know, Jimmy, that you and Judy had a close relationship with them as well. Well, we certainly did, David, and I, you know, this program's only an hour and a half long, and if I took the entire program, I could not get finished with what Harry and his wife, Precious Millie, meant to not only myself and Judy, but our entire family. I have to remember the very first time I met Harry, it was 54 years ago, and it was at a missions conference when Judy and I went forth to dedicate our lives to full-time missions work around the world. That was when I was a student at Tennessee Temple. Then Harry came back to speak at my graduation in 1970. And in 1970, I also had the opportunity to join the Ministry of Word of Life. Harry had just come home to be the co-director with Jack Wurtson of the ministry. We started doing things like we started touring together during all the different tours, the Christmas tour, and the Passion Play, which was, of course, a production at Easter time. I had the privilege and honor of being the very first Christ in that first Passion Play. What a privileged ministry that was to us. So, so many memories of Harry and Millie. You know, I'm going to miss our telephone calls about every month or even more often than that, Harry and I would call and talk to each other about what was going on, how we felt, how the family was going, and he would ask about our ministry. Just a blessing. Millie, of course, was a very, very special lady. There would have not been a Harry Ballback had there not been a Millie Ballback. She taught my Judy so many, many things, and our entire family, all of our children actually, played parts in Harry's touring presentations across the country. So that developed a close relationship between the DeYoungs and the Ballbacks. Well, David, having said that, I know that you're a missionary with Word of Life in Hungary for 16 years, and I know that Harry played a pivotal role in getting that ministry up and running, established there in Hungary. Share some of those things with us. Sure. Well, last night I called my first pastor, Jerry Day, because I knew he was on the trip to Hungary in 1989 with Paul Boober when they found the property where Word of Life has been located for over 30 years. After World War II and the Soviets got Hungary in the post-war negotiations, most royal families fled to the West, leaving behind properties all over the country, including the incredible mansion and 80 acres that now belongs to Word of Life. And it was being used by the Communist Trade Union as a youth camp. And in the spring of 89, before the Berlin Wall fell in October, it was offered to Word of Life, who thought that Word of Life had a lot of money being an American organization. Well, Harry was there for the negotiations. And he had to tell them that Word of Life simply had no money to purchase the property. But amazingly, by the end, the Hungarians agreed to a 10-year lease for a fully outfitted youth camp. And as the only payment, they demanded that Word of Life maintain the property and provide 430 children 
of trade union members, unsaved kids, with a week of camp each summer. Then 10 years later, a German friend of Word of Life purchased that property, gave it to the ministry. We arrived there in 92. In 94, we opened a Bible Institute, and students from over 50 countries have studied there. My son's a missionary there, and all this because of God using Harry as one of the many men to make this happen. An amazing story. It is an amazing story, and not only was Harry a fantastic preacher, my favorite preacher as well, everything was just so fantastic when Harry would open up the Word of God and start to preach it. But not only was he that, he was a great negotiator. I know that as well. That's how that property came there in Hungary to Word of Life. Well, David, thank you for reminding us that we do honor these giants of the faith as we see them go home to be with the Lord. And it's a blessing to be able to think about how they affected our lives and the lives of probably millions of people when we come right down to it. Great time of discussion about Harry and Millie Ballback. But we'll have another issue next week, so we'll look forward to that, David. Thanks, Jimmy. I really appreciate it. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back after that break, and we'll take a look at the book, Open the Bible, and talk about exactly how these events that have been discussed with our broadcast partners are setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. All of that ahead, right here on Prophecy Today. Hey everyone, this is Dave James with the Alliance for Biblical Integrity. You hear me each week discussing current theological issues with Jimmy DeYoung on the Prophecy Today weekend broadcast. We founded the Alliance for Biblical Integrity because we saw a need for an apologetics and discernment ministry that would be an important resource for local churches, schools, and ministry organizations that face ever-changing theological challenges in today's world. I teach many different courses and seminars in the United States and around the world and can tailor the seminars for Sunday schools, Bible studies, and church services, and the courses for weekend conferences of 6 to 10 hours. For more information, you can go to the ABI website at biblicalintegrity.org. That's one word, biblicalintegrity.org, and click on Courses and Seminars on the main menu. You can also contact me personally through the contact page on the ABI website. I look forward to hearing from you. Have you always wanted to visit the land of Israel? Imagine what it would be like to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. With Joshua Travel, you can visit Israel past, present, and prophetic. The Bible will come alive as you see places like the shepherd's field where our Lord was born, Caesarea Philippi, Cana of Galilee, Capernaum, the Garden of Gethsemane, and the Garden Tomb. You'll even experience an exciting boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. You'll visit each site with Bible in hand as we take the time to not just visit the sites, but to help you understand their importance to our biblical heritage and to our prophetic future. We will place special emphasis on the eternal city of Jerusalem, the most important city in the world, and the place from where Jesus will rule and reign one day. Call Joshua Travel today at 423-821-3635 to find out more about this trip of a lifetime, or you can visit us online at joshuatravel.com. It's time right now here on Prophecy Today for us to take a look at the book. 
You know, the Prophecy Today weekend program took us around the world to make contact with our broadcast partners so that we could get their reports on current events happening in this world that may well be setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. These reports key to helping us to understand why things are happening in our world today. I hope you were able to hear all the reports. However, if not, I want you to go to my website, prophecytoday.com, then to PTRN. It's on the right-hand column of my home page. There you will find these important reports, conversations that I had with my broadcast partners. After you listen to these reports, or the ones that you may have missed, be sure to pass along the link to family members and friends so that they can be informed as well. That's prophecytoday.com, PTRN, Prophecy Today Radio Network. Now let me take a moment to give you my prophetic perspective on these very informative reports. Ken Timmerman, he covers the geopolitical events happening in our world, and we were able to catch Ken at the airport just prior to him boarding an airplane, and we talked about the rehearsal of a real war in the Middle East by Russia taking place in Syria. You know, a dress rehearsal is done before the real event which speaks volumes on what we reported this week about Russia in Syria. With this dress rehearsal, actually real-life war activities there in the state just north of the Jewish state of Israel. This is all foretold in Ezekiel 38, Psalm 83, and Daniel chapter 11 a dress rehearsal, setting the stage for these prophecies to be fulfilled. David Dolan is the man who covers the Middle East for us. He's done it for over 30 years, and he gives us his Middle East news update, a key report to those of us who are students of Bible prophecy. David talked about a top-ranking rabbi saying that with what seems to be the collapse of America— Israel now needs to step up to become a superpower. Well, the rabbi may be a bit quick on the declaration that Israel will be a superpower, but that's what God's word calls for. When Jesus Christ returns to the earth at the second coming, he will establish his kingdom in the city of Jerusalem with the Jewish people and the Jewish state of Israel. That's Genesis chapter 15, the Abrahamic covenant. Second Samuel chapter 7 says the kingdom, this worldwide government, will be headquartered in Jerusalem. And Jeremiah 31, the new covenant, says it will be the Jewish people that will indeed be a superpower. Remember, America is not in Bible prophecy, but Israel is. Winky Madad and I had a conversation, and we brought to your attention that even as the incoming Biden administration comes to power, they do not like the Jewish settlements. 
Israel, however, is moving ahead with building more in Judea and Samaria right now. You know why the Jews continue to expand their Jewish settlements in Judea and Samaria? It's because that they believe that God has given them this land. You can read that in Ezekiel 34 and Ezekiel 37, along with the land covenant found in Deuteronomy chapter 30. This is land that God has promised to give the Jewish people. They're moving ahead on those promises to take charge of this land, no matter what the new Biden administration may do. John Root is a longtime resident of Brussels, Belgium, which gives him great insight into the European Union. That's why we bring him to the broadcast table. He told us of the European Union moving ahead with a uniformed military, a step towards the revived Roman Empire. You know, each and every week, we watch the European Union move closer and closer to becoming the revived Roman Empire, as foretold in Daniel chapter 7 and Revelation chapters 13 and 17. As that does happen, we can recognize how close we are to those prophecies being fulfilled. Sam Rohr came with a warning to Americans about taking the coronavirus vaccine. It's your choice. But I believe that we had a very thought-provoking conversation, an exhortation to prayerfully consider the facts. David James and I have a weekly conversation, and we stopped to remember a couple who really were heroes of the faith, Harry and Millie Ballback. I think of Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9, where Paul says, Those things you've learned and received and heard and seen of me, I want you to do them. Well, Harry Ballback was a mere man, but a man used of God. I suggest we can follow the example that Harry set. I look forward, actually, to continuing my conversations with Harry and Millie in the heavenlies either through my death to take me to be with them, or the rapture. And I have to say, to tell you the truth, I pray that it will be the rapture that takes me into the heavenlies. And the truth be known, with what our broadcast partners brought to the table today, there's evidence that that rapture could even happen today. Are you ready for that rapture? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? as Harry and Millie Ballback did, and as David and I know Jesus Christ. At one time, we had to admit we were sinners, believe in the death, burial, of resurrection of Jesus Christ, and call upon him to save us. You need to do that to make preparations for that next event on God's calendar of activities, as I've already mentioned, the rapture. And I did say already as well, it could happen today. And having said that, nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today. Prophecy Today is a listener-supported production of Shofar Communications in Chattanooga, Tennessee.